So today we're finishing our series in Philippians. And it's not lost on me that the themes of Advent have been coming out in the last few weeks, haven't they? Uh, you know, particularly as we've done chapter four, I don't need my car keys, particularly as we've done chapter four, and, and I've been hearing these themes as themes of hope and joy and peace and love. And there's also been a message of expectation, which is what uh, we've been talking about in our Advent series. This is, this is why we do Advent. Christmas reminds us of the promises of Christ's first arrival. And that it happened, and therefore we have this assurance that his promise to come again will be, is real as well. And we can live with that hope and that assurance. It reminds us of that. We Christians have an expectation that Christ will return. You know, this is how the, when you read the New Testament, you can see it in there. This is how the disciples lived. They were like, he could come. You know, we're going to be ready. And it's, and it's just, in fact, it's, it's obviously we're even closer to that time now. And that's how we should live. Jesus said in Matthew 24, I'll pop it up on the screen. He said, you also must be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least expected. Jesus, of course, is the Son of Man. That's how he referred to himself. It's the promise. Most won't expect it. That's what he said. But we should. And while we wait, we live out hope and we live out joy and we live, we live out peace and we live out love. And we spread that message around us as we wait. And those themes actually come out of Philippians as well. So it's good timing. God obviously knew that, that they were going to work together. So today we're going to finish off chapter 4. And it starts with Paul's thanks to this church in Philippi, what we call the Philippians, for their care for him personally. And, you know, he's thanking them. He's, he says, I've been out and about doing missionary work, and you've been helping me. You've been caring for me. This is what he said from verse 10 in chapter 4. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. So it's important that we know this. The context for today's message is, is about, you know, it's obviously about these gifts or a gift that he either didn't get or perhaps the opportunity for the church to care in the way they normally did didn't present itself. And Paul knows this and he lets them know that he's okay, he's grateful for their concern. So before we're going to get into the main point for today of today's sermon, it's worth noting that God's people are actually big on care and concern for others. And that includes... Good timing to have Nicole here. That includes our missionaries. The church cares for people. That's, that's who we are, but we, we especially care for our missionaries, and that's what Paul was. He was a missionary. It's good to remember for us to keep following this example, to do care and concern, you know, whether, whether it's um, writing letters, phone calling, sending emails, uh, financial support. It's important that we do that. For those who have said yes uh, to the call to go. So t but today's message is simply called content. Not content. Content. It's another Jesus attitude. Remember we were talking back in chapter 2. It was the key verse. I think it was verse 5 of chapter 2. You must, this is what Paul said, you must have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. And so as we read Philippians, we just find that all the way through. This is what an attitude of Jesus looks like. So this, for today, it's having the attitude or um, perhaps another word is disposition of contentment. Specifically, 
In this context, it's contentment around what God has provided us with. So if we go to verse 11, he continues. He says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Paul, he's learnt secrets about life through his walk with the Lord. He knows joy. Remember that? Even when he was under pressure, when the church was under pressure for their faith, they still found joy. He knows peace. He says last week, it's greater than the understanding we have. It's a supernatural thing that the Holy Spirit can actually birth in our heart. A peace, even when life is hard. I knew that that verse would resonate with everyone, by the way. And I saw God doing some wonderful things in people's lives last week. But Paul's also learned how to be satisfied with what he has. He's learned an attitude that dials down anxiety about you know, times of lacking or, or, or need, particularly around material needs and, and even around you know, the desires that we sometimes have for these things. And, and instead, he's found satisfaction in what God has already given. Contentment is, is it's a state of peaceful satisfaction. That's the best kind of definition I could come up with. And it's a good place to be when you, you're content with what I have. There's a human nature, and it's possibly a sinful one, that is never satisfied with what we have or with what God has given. And, it, and it, it's strong in our culture, isn't it? You know, I, I think it's, it's strong, and perhaps it's, it is a human thing, but it's very strong in the Western culture. It's the desire to want more stuff all the time. More, more, more. It's a desire for more and more comfort. And every time we get more, we still want more. This is what I think the message from Paul is today. It, it leaves us feeling anxious and unsatisfied, though. Have you ever experienced that a little bit? Now, I want to be clear here, as I, I always say this, having money in possessions is not sinful. Okay, this is not, gonna, it's not a, a message where you have to sit there feeling guilty because you got things, all right? That's not what I'm about today. Purchasing things, investing, saving, all those things are okay, but constantly wanting more money and possessions can, it can easily become the primary heart's desire. I, I know, I think I've had moments in my life where I've experienced this. This is what I'm talking about. It's when it, it becomes what our hearts um, just want all the time. It takes the place of where our hearts should be, where Jesus wants our hearts to be. The outcome of that can be, you know, we always feel anxious or there's a, there's a discontentment, which is obviously the opposite of contentment. If only I could get that latest phone, I would be happy. And there's nothing wrong with getting the latest phone if you need one, but, but you won't be happy. It will be nice for a few weeks, but it's just a phone. Does everyone agree with me on that one? I like new phones, okay? <laughs> but it's just a phone. If only I could upgrade my house to a nicer and bigger one, I would be happy. There's nothing wrong with upgrading your house. But a few months later, we realize it's just a nice house. It doesn't actually bring satisfaction, and I've got to clean it all the time. That takes away satisfaction for me. Contentment with what he has is what Paul has found, and we can too. You know, it's good. It's like satisfying. There's a peace when we're content. Again, it doesn't mean you can't aim for something, but what if you can't achieve it? How are you going to feel? 
So before we move into this lesson from Scripture, you know, we've got to be clear about the context. It's important. There are times when, by the way, when discontentment is appropriate. So you know the context we're talking about now. It's about what God has given. But there's times when you should be discontent. Quite frankly, we should be discontent when we're not walking with Jesus in the way that he would want us to. You know, we should be discontent when we're stuck in cycles of addiction or sin. We should be discontent when we've caused harm to others or if we tend to do that or we've done the wrong thing. We should be discontent when the church loses its first love. We should be discontent with injustice and oppression and bias and greed and abuse. We should be discontent when we see loneliness around us. We should be discontent with suffering and homelessness and, you know, dictators who wage war on their neighbours. We should be very discontent with that. We should be discontent when the world has given up on God's ways and they think they know better and they've gone their way, which goes right back to what we were talking about at the start of this year in the Garden of Eden, right? We should be discontent when evil is allowed to wreak havoc in people's lives and around the world. We're not content with those things as followers of Christ. So it's important to understand that today's message, what, what, the, what the context is, and, but it's important that we're thankful for what God has given us and watching out for uh, the wrong kind of desires that grab a hold of us, the things that become our first love. It's about defeating greed that sometimes um, overtakes us, and it's about trusting God. So Paul says, you can have it. You can have that contentment. But you've got to learn it. That's what he says. If we look at verse 11 again, number, that's my first point. Contentment is a learned attitude. Verse 11 says, For I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. So it's a, it can be or it should be a learned attitude. It's a decision we have to make over and over again in order to learn it and for it to really take a hold. You know, we, I think we've got to tell ourselves sometimes. We've got to convince ourselves. So let me just talk about a few thoughts there. Because we've got to choose this daily. The best way, in my opinion, to learn contentment is to embrace the good things and the free things that God has already given us. Embrace them. For example, he's given us a family. So spend lots of time with your family and enjoy each other. It's free and it's satisfying. I was just thinking about the, the Missendons who arrived all as a family this morning, early, so Mark could practice. I think Julie was on team. The kids are here. They brought breakfast. I thought, that was good. That's, that's a free gift embraced right there. You know, if your family's got um, relationships that are strained, work at restoring them because that's an amazing free gift. If you're single, invest into your friendships and family relationships. Find contentment in them. God gave us a, a church family Here's his idea. It's also free and hopefully satisfying. So get involved with the church family. Discover the satisfaction from those bonds. You know, as we worship together, as we serve together, as we go deep in the word together. God encourages, by the way, God encourages celebrations and gatherings. Parties, if you want to use that word. <laughs> Yeah, he does. He, he embraces them. He, if you read the Old Testament, he keeps saying to the Israelites, have a party, 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 have a party. Now, obviously, it's about remembering what God has done. Very important. But he obviously says gatherings are good. They're generally free and satisfying. So do those things. Bring your joy into those things. He gave us his amazing creation. We should move outside more often. 
and enjoy it because it's free. We go to the beach. They don't charge money to go to the beach. It's free and it's amazing. Walk in the mountains. Visit a waterfall. One of my favorite things during my, my leave was I went to the Blue Mountains and did some hikes there. It was so good, so satisfying. There was no gate at the entrance that I had to pay money to get into. I was grateful to God for giving me the free gift of his creation to enjoy. Those things are there for us. I don't have to be a millionaire to go and go for a hike. They're free. Take your wife or husband out on a date every week. Learn to be content with the relationship that God's put together. Some of my favorite times in my life is, is adventures with my family, adventures with my friends, going on camps, leading high school camps, these things. When I, I look back, at, you know, there's times where I think, I wish I had done more of those kinds of things because satisfaction and contentment from those moments is so deep and profound and satisfying more than the things that, I, that my heart thinks I need. The same can be said for serving God alongside of each other and with our families. It's so satisfying. So it brings so much contentment. It's simple. It's free, or at the very least, it's low cost. <laughs> you know, opportunities to live are actually a really good life and find contentment with what God has already given. They're there for us. Now, I admit this year that I've thought a few times about upgrading my car. All right, now that's okay. You know, don't, I'm not trying to say that all these that these things are bad. I don't want you to feel guilt. If I had have upgraded my car, I'm sure God wouldn't have minded. He wouldn't have been disappointed. So it's not about that. Okay, I hope you're hearing the right message today. But I did ask myself, can I be content with my 14-year-old car? I thought, well, it's still the air conditioner still works. That's important, right? <laughs> it's comfortable. It's mechanically sound, mostly. If I drive it the right way, it's affordable to drive. <laughs> but I did want a shiny new one. I especially wanted one that had Bluetooth built into it. <laughs> and I didn't have to put my own little adapters everywhere to make that work. But I did have a moment when I was thinking about it, and I just decided, well, maybe this is a time for me to learn contentment. To, you know, the lesson. Paul says, I learned it. So, okay, I, I'm going to hold off on this. And see if I can learn it. And one day I will, I will upgrade that, that old girl. She's just an old Ford. But I'm going to just be thankful for now. For that provision that God has given me. And remember that many don't even have that. So thank you, Jesus, for what you've given. I'm going to be content. This is not about punishment. You know, I'm not trying to whip myself. It's not a lesson about sacrifice. I don't tell you to get your approval. I don't want you to walk up to me and go, well, you're amazing, you're holding on to an old car. I don't, I'm not doing it for that. I'm just trying to show you an example of how we could learn some things sometimes. A new attitude. But God will show you your way to learn if you ask him. Maybe you're thinking, I don't want to ask him because he might tell me not to upgrade my car. <laughs> but why don't you ask him, how can I learn this, this thing that Paul talks about? And put it into practice. Point number two is that contentment is for all seasons of provision. So in verse 12, we move on. He says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. So he's obviously had times 
where provision's been there. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty or with plenty or little. So he's obviously experienced some extremes here that maybe we haven't. It's not just a message for those who have less because discontentment, it's universal. Paul apparently had times where he could say, I've got what I need, and times when he couldn't. Jim Carrey's got this quote where he said, I hope everybody could get rich and famous and will have everything they ever dreamed of so they will know that's not the answer. And yeah, I know we can sit there and think, well, it's easy for Jim Carrey to say it, isn't it? You know, it's easy for the mega rich people to say, oh, it's not the answer. But I think it's, there's a point there that's very important for us because the ultra-rich even, they seem to be discontent. We can have more contentment than billionaires because we're with Jesus and he provides for our needs. We can learn from him, <laughs> even. They're not truly satisfied or happy. And, and here's what Freddie Mercury said, you can have everything in the world and still be the loneliest man, and that is the most bitter type of loneliness. Success has brought me world idolization and millions of pounds, but it's prevented me from having the one thing we all need, a loving, ongoing relationship. But we think, if only I could just have more. Maybe I would be content. Now, we've got to use our common sense. For example, I don't think we'd walk up to someone who's living in poverty or or perhaps a homeless person and tell them, you need to be content. We we use our brain on this, don't we? Because it's obvious they don't have all of their actual physical needs. I don't think that that's God's intent here, for people to go without shelter and food and, and, and the basics and stuff like that. I think that God wants everyone to to have provision and and to live in dignity. I think that that's obvious. We won't be content with that. In one sense, there is a message of contentedness for them, but we come back to that first message that we started with today, that God's people are about care and concern. So we remember that. The point is, whatever your season, we can be content. We can have that attitude because it's good for us. Point number three is... The secret to being content is abiding in Christ. When we truly abide, we learn that we can trust every part of our lives with him. Remember verse 12, Paul said, I've learned the secret of living in every situation. We want to know the secret, don't we? Verse 13 then says, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And then he says, even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. Now, I bet you verse 13 is highlighted in your Bibles. You might have the NOVs, uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me or something like that. That might be the more familiar version of it. I bet you you've highlighted that one in your Bibles or on your phone. Who who has? Come on. Yes, there's a few hands that come up. Maybe you've even got a coffee mug with that one on it at home. Or there's a plaque somewhere, you know, maybe it's on the front of your, your diary or your journal. It's a, but it's a good verse. It's a, it actually has, it's, there's power in this verse. There's truth there for us. When we face that mountain in life, we love to quote it. And you should, by the way. Let me just talk into that for a second, because the, the context here is clearly about the challenge of being of having lacking, of, of not having things, of lacking something. That's what Paul's talking about. 
you know, that financial gift that he needed didn't come. He was lacking something, but he, this was what he said. But I, but I can do it. I can still be content. He says, I've learned the secret to these times of need. It's an inner strength that flows from God himself. So yeah, it's a learned attitude. I know I've already made that point today, but ultimately it's really only possible through the power that lives within us to to do it the way that, that Jesus wants us to. A power that the Holy Spirit brings. You know, just like last week, we talked about a supernatural peace in times of trouble. This week is a, is a promise of strength to be content with what we have when we're missing out, we're, we're missing out on something, we lack something. There's, some, there's a strength that, that Christ gives us that it's not going to become anxiety and it's not going to lead to anxiousness and things like that. When, the Christmas, you know, when our Christmas presents, perhaps what we give this year, they can't be what they normally are. Or when the mortgage payments start to squeeze us, we're going to start tightening our belts a little bit. I think a lot of us know that feeling right now. Perhaps we start to worry. The anxiety starts to build. When that newer or better thing is just out of reach, we're not just okay when this happens. We're good. Because we have Jesus, and in these moments, when I'm lacking, I'm good with what God has given, and I know I can trust him. And I can say, what I have is enough. And his Holy Spirit not only gives me the strength in times of lacking, he gives me joy and peace and no amount of money can buy those things. So the things that, these spiritual things that God brings are really precious to us. It's different to how the world thinks. They think we need the stuff to feel that. We're saying God gives us the spiritual things to make us really satisfied. So in this season, if you're struggling in those moments of lacking, stop and think about all the things that God has given you and just be thankful. That's a good way to start. Count the blessings. Let gratitude fill you in those moments. Be content. I do want to add, though, that Paul says, he didn't say, I can do contentedness. Through Christ who strengthens me. He said, I can do everything. Through Christ who gives him strength. So while the context is Christ giving the strength in this season of lack of provision, this verse is still true in other areas of your life that God is calling you into. Apparently, and I haven't confirmed this myself, but I heard Nicky Gumbel say it the other day that the words do not be afraid or fear not or, or a variation of that appear 365 times in the Bible. That's one for every day. That's pretty good. Fear not or do not be afraid. Because Nicky Gumbel said it, I reckon it's probably true. <laughs> we can trust him. Remember when we were doing the Joshua series? I think it was last year, wasn't it? And how many times when the Israelites had to go on the mission that God sent them to, did God say, do not be afraid you need, I'll give you strength and I'll give you the courage you need. So it's a truth in, in this, it's a universal truth in this verse for God's followers. You can do everything that God has called you to do. Did you catch the second part of it? You can do everything that God has called you to do. Not everything that I want in my life. Everything that God has called you to do, if you do it through Christ, 
That's the second one. If you do it through Christ in his strength, if you do it in your strength, I'm not going to guarantee that you can do it. Can't give you that promise. But if God called you to do it, and you're relying on the strength that he gives you, you can do everything. Because he will give it to you. So yes, this verse is about the strength to go without, to be content, to give up the wrong desires and replace them with God's desires. And this verse is about the strength to accomplish what God has asked you to do. You can stick it on the coffee mug. You can put it on your journal. You can highlight it. And it can remind you in all seasons. If he's asked you to give up that thing in your life that's not honouring him, you can do it. Because I can do anything or everything through Christ who strengthens me. If it's God's will, and it would be, if you're doing something that's not honouring to him, it'll be God's will. You can do it. You can overcome it. You partner with him. If he's asked you to go into like a vocational ministry, you can do it. You can do everything. If he's asked you to start Alpha at your work or uni, I'll throw that one out there because I think some of you could do this. You can do it. If he's asked you to tithe or give sacrificially, and you think, I can't. If God's asked you to do it, you can, because he'll give you the strength. If he's asked you to work hard on a relationship that's, that's broken, but, but pastor, it's been broken for a long time. If God's asked you to work on it, you can do it. If he's asked you to join the mission field, that one's a hard one, though, pastor. That means I've got to give up a lot. Christ will give you the strength to do everything. If he's asked you to serve in a ministry team here at Hills, if he's asked you to go to Bible college, if he's asked you to start a business, you know, if that's God's idea, you, got to, you could do that. Uh, maybe you could even contribute financially to the kingdom in some way or whatever it is, you can do that. If he's asked you to foster or adopt children who need a home, if he's asked you to feed the homeless, if he's asked you to help refugees, if he's asked you to advocate for the vulnerable in our in our society, if he's asked you to reach out to the, to the most lost and the most desperate and the most broken, if he's asked you just to love someone who's really hard to love, you can do everything that Christ has asked you to do through him who strengthens you. It's his promise. It doesn't mean it's easy, by the way. It doesn't mean you just do nothing I've asked God to do it now, and I'm going to watch it magically happen. That's not what it means. We are his servants. He partners with us in his mission. It's a hard mission sometimes. It's not an impossible one. Because he gives us the strength to do everything he's called us to do. We should pray for that today. It's a good place to stop. And I'd like to because I feel like God's talking to us right now. But I did promise we were going to read every word of Philippians, and so I'm going to finish it, and then we'll come back. Verse 15, As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I'm generously supplied with the gifts you sent me from Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. 
And here's the, here's the promise when we trust Jesus from verse 19. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. See, it's not just about being settled with what we have. It's also about trusting God. So we live by faith. Verse 21, give my greetings to each other of God's uh, to each of God's holy people, all who belong to Christ Jesus, the brothers who are with me send you their greetings, and all the rest of God's people send you greetings too, especially those in Caesar's household. And then he finishes just with a one-sentence benediction. At the end. This is the end of Philippians. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit. A really good letter, isn't it? I don't know if you guys have agreed, as we've, we've read every word of Philippians over the last eight weeks. A really good letter. God's word to us. So church, our contentment, our joy, our peace doesn't rest on our circumstances. That's what I'm getting out of, verse, out of chapter 4. It definitely doesn't rise and fall on what we have or don't have. It rests on someone. It rests on Jesus. We just sang our hearts out about him. It rests on Jesus and what he has done for us, what he has already done for us and what he has promised to do. So we put all our faith in him. Why wouldn't we? I love the way the NLT has translated Colossians 1.27. This is Paul again to a different church. He said, and this is the secret. Christ lives in you. You could write a book and sell called The Secret and sell millions of copies and it only needs to say four things. Christ lives in you. Christ lives in you. That means that you, you can receive his strength to do all those things that he has called you to do today. So come on up, team. We're going to sing uh, this old song that I found that I've I, I got a feeling we may or may not. I think we sung it here before, like it's 2007 or something like that. Uh, Reuben Morgan wrote it. What's it called again, Jared? <laughs> Can you just bring that up first? You are my strength, yeah. And so we're going to sing this as a prayer this morning. And I suspect that all of you have got something in, in mind this morning, perhaps that God's prompted you uh, about as, as we've been speaking this morning. It's like, yeah, I need to do that. Or God's asked me to do that. Or I'm lacking contentment in my life. You know, with the situation I'm in right now. He is our strength. And so we can rest in that this morning. So would you stand with me?